0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Football Talk Show. We're back after a week. We had to wait because Geo uh, kept Geo kept canceling on us, but we're back. We're gonna Open talk. Every- <laughs> we're gonna talk about all the latest uh, transfer info, and we're gonna go into we're gonna go deep into a debate with Manchester City and Erling Haaland after that um, dark debut. I'm gonna say Oscar for for the Norwegian. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't think he wasn't dark at all. Obviously, he didn't score. He, had the so he didn't so. score. He had plenty yeah, of chances. Didn't so score. Didn't win a title. Lost his first official game. So, so you know died. what? Hold, no, no, no. We'll go. So we'll if go score. So if, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to think about it for a little bit. But we're actually going to start with um, Serie A. And we're actually going to start with Roma. Because we're going to leave the best for last. So, we start with Roma. Um, Gio. Interesting. do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Belotti is, is pretty close to being a Roma player officially. Apparently has agreed a three-year deal um, to join Mourinho's team. And Wijnaldum is pretty close to joining on a loan deal, season-long loan deal, uh, probably with an option to buy. What Can you tell us about that? How do they fit in? We talked a little bit about Wijnaldum in previous episodes, but what about Belotti?
1: Yeah, no, it's um it's a pretty exciting time right now. Um, so right now, Roma's working a lot on the market, I think, more on the selling side of things. But um, with that, they're going to definitely add some players. And, and like you said, Belotti and, and Wijnaldum is is pretty close. We're just waiting to offload Eldor Shmuradov, who is close to between Torino and, um, and uh, I believe it was Bologna. And then uh, Carlos Perez is very close to Celta Vigo. And Gonzalo Villar should finish his move to Sampdoria tomorrow, along with Vertu um, to Marseille. So a lot of moving parts. Um, which is allowing us to to explore the the market as well and, and get some upgrades. And, yeah, I'm really excited about Bellotti. I mean, I think Bellotti, he's always been uh, a very solid Serie A performer. You know, he's kind of struggled a little bit in the international team. He hasn't been able to kind of be be the main man there. You know, it's kind of been taken over by Ciro Immobile, who's done absolutely nothing in his place. But, um, you know, Bellotti was, um, is definitely a Serie A um better and you know he scored I believe it was 26 goals one year um when he was a little bit younger and had that hundred million dollar release clause attached to his name so the biggest thing with Belotti is going to add so much depth we need that depth I mean any team that has aspirations to play in the Champions League to fight for a title to you know even even battle for a domestic cup whatever your ambitions may be you need that depth um, and Tammy Abraham looks to be the main number nine, but Bellotti is a proven city A guy. He can really help in, I think, games like the Coppa Italia. He can step in, um, against lower level sides. He can uh, pair up with Tammy Abraham if, if they want to do a tactical approach like that. And, um, he can even, you know, play in the Europa League and hopefully Champions League the after. So, and then quickly here on Rinaldo, um, just honestly, a uh, near world-class player really was amazing at Liverpool um you know psg was a bit of a mess but he still played pretty pretty strong there he's going to add a lot of stability it's interesting because i think we still lack a, a true defensive midfielder so uh i i don't know if roma's done in the midfield i think rinaldo will definitely you know bring a lot of a lot of different aspects he's not um you know he's not necessarily a defensive midfielder but he's a fantastic tackler of the ball he's a good distributor of the ball he's a smart smart player so Really excited for Wynalda! I think it's a great pickup, especially on a cheap deal. Belotti on a free, dibala on a free. Let's go, baby! Let's okay, go. So before, so before you were
0: talking about Belotti, like, I I agree with wynaldum on mostly everything you said. But about Belotti, so you're talking about him um, from what I from what I gather here, as if he was Ed Dzeko or or some thirty four year old player. You know, I think he's only twenty eight. You did say, well, you referred to him as a veteran. I don't think. I mean, he could still be technically from what we've identified here, your prime years as a striker could be between 27 and 33 and he's 28. Right. So he's not old. Um, What I see, how I see him is he's another version of Immobile, just like you you mentioned, right? So not big on the international stage uh, has never left Italy. Immobile did, did leave Italy and tried and tried out in Sevilla and in Dortmund and didn't work out. Then came back to Italy and dominated. Right. So, He's not dominating the same, partially because he's plays for, he plays for Torino up to now, right? I think. The fact that it's on a free, I think it's great business for Roma. But is he going to be a sub? Because what you've described as right now is he's probably going to have to be a sub. You think he's, he's the type of player that you want and can have being a, a, a second option, playing second fiddle to Tommy Abraham? Because you know that Dibala and Tommy Abraham are going to be there up top. So I don't know if Mourinho is maybe thinking that he should play a little more. Hundred and twenty percent,
1: I want him um, playing as. As the thing is, like I said though, like I think Bilotti has has kind of gone to a stage in his career. You know, he's been the main man at Torino his entire career. Ever since he moved from Palermo, um, actually, he played with DiBala at Palermo too. So that'll be a, an interesting reunion there. But the thing is, like I think Bilotti's just reached the part in his career now where he kind of wants to start pursuing. Some team success. He's kind of he's been a, he's been a great striker for Torino. He's been a great servant of the club, but there was n- really nothing to play for there. He saw an opportunity where he can go play for a guy like Jose Mourinho. He can stay in Italy. He can go to a, you know a, a really a team that's done some fantastic business and is actually looking really promising uh, in terms of their project with with ambitious owners. Um, he wants to win something. It looks like, and I think he's taking that seriously. Um, he may not be the main main guy but he's definitely going to be part of an attack where he'll play an important role no matter what oscar um following up on that what about why you've
0: seen him a little more in the premier league obviously as you mentioned with psg he didn't get the most uh, the most amount of minutes in the midfield packed midfield world-class players in that midfield too but what do you think about his addition to roma what can he give Mourinho?
2: I mean, I think it's a great addition. I would say a fantastic addition for Roma. Uh, And I'm pretty sad that things didn't work out for him at PSG because when Wijnaldum played at Liverpool, I think his last season, for me, it was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Uh, What he offered to Liverpool, being that box-to-box player, was absolutely fantastic. And not to disrespect Roma, but I think Wijnaldum had the level to keep playing at a bigger club, you know, and by bigger club, I mean a club that's competing uh, for, not that Roma won't compete for uh, the Serie A, but I mean competing for, uh, being more consistent in competing for league titles, uh, Champions League semifinals, and uh, all those stages, advanced stages in football.
0: Gio was uh, making some faces there when you said not to disrespect Roma. His eyebrow almost left his forehead. Um,
1: no, it's... it's <laughs> I How dare it. you, ask. <laughs> How dare you? No, <laughs> no, he's, he's, no like, he's like... Good point. Like, he... I think... I think,
0: honestly... No, but you I'm need what? Like, you need... You know what? Sorry, Gio. Like, you know what? I think this is the perfect move for Wynaldon right now. It's, there's a World Cup coming up right now, and he's, he hasn't yeah. been the most yeah. consistent in that uh, Netherlands uh, call up lately because obviously he lost his starting spot. Well, he never gained the starting spot with PSG, so he hasn't even been called up sometimes with Netherlands for some games. And I think this is the perfect spot. You 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 take a step back and actually gain some momentum so that you can make that that roster for the World Cup in November. I think I think it's perfect. Um, and I that's do think Mourinho so. is building an ambitious project at Roma.
2: To be honest, that's what I was gonna add. That honestly, I don't see a perfect. Were a better fit for Wijnaldum at the moment. I think he has everything he needs in Roma. He has a great manager, a manager that uh, is going to keep teaching him a lot. And a part of that, he's going to have playing time. Because as you said, Ricky, the World Cup is coming, and I'm pretty sure he won't want to miss it. No, 100%. Um,
0: and let's let's keep talking in about Serie A, but we're, let's go over to Juventus. One of the links earlier this week was Timo Werner from Chelsea. Um obviously Chelsea are looking to get rid of the German attacker and they were talking about a loan deal possibly um also Memphis Depay is another one that has been kind of circling circling in the rumor mill because he's looking to leave Barcelona apparently he's negotiating to to get a free agency from Barcelona so he doesn't have to uh go through a transfer negotiation between clubs and it would just have to be him agreeing personal terms with someone with another club. He's only considering top clubs and Juventus might be one of them because they're interested uh, in, in, in the pie for this season. They're also talking about a loan deal for that one. Which one of these would we think is better? Do we think the pie uh, specifically helps Juventus a little more than Timo Werner or, or do you think
1: Werner would shine in the Serie yeah. A? Gio, let's go with you. Well I think let's put it this way. I think Timo Werner would be a better fit at Juventus for Roma and the other teams. And I think <laughs> probably would be a better fit for Juventus. Because <laughs> let's face it, I mean Timo Werner is, is he's a fast player. You know, he's got he, he's a good he's a good worker. Um but I think the pie just has more to offer, rarely. And I think um quite honestly with a It'll be interesting though, though, for Depay, because I don't really see how he'll fit alongside um, um I personally think there's better fits out there for Depay. And I yeah. do think that there's even better fits out there for Werner too. Although Verner, to me, the reason Werner might make a little bit more sense for the players, I think Werner's kind of used to playing a bit of a secondary role. Um, and he can kind of... Um, and like I said, he's got a good work rate, so I think he can he can kind of carve out a pretty decent um, a decent role with with Juventus. But I think, although Depay, I think is still a great player. I, I think for him personally, I think there's better fits out there, and one of them is is definitely Chelsea. I think I know you love him, Rick, and I I do think he's a great fit there. And I just think Depay has got enough quality to be the main man um, wherever he is. So I wouldn't want to see him kind of play second fiddle to Vlahovic if I was you know, a part of Depay's entourage.
0: Yeah, and we'll, we'll go into Depay and, and Chelsea and the other offers that he has, but I think that if we're talking about Juve, Depay gives you a similar profile as that of Dybala, right? Because he's a player that can play as a number 10, join the like drop into deep into the midfield and create something from there. Obviously they wouldn't miss him up top because Vlahovic would be up top. He can play alongside Vlahovic and he can also go on a wing, right? with his being the left wing. Well the was the right wing. But I do so so that's what I do think that he could offer Juventus if if they were to go for him. Still I don't think it's the best fit out of the other teams that have been interested in him. And we're gonna go into into those in a little bit. But also We've, we've been talking about Juventus's midfield, right? And obviously they're looking uh, to offload some players like Raviol, like Arthur, Ramsey already left to, to Nice, right? But they're also looking to add, and one of those is Leandro Paredes, who apparently, according to rumors, has already agreed personal terms with Juventus and it would just take a negotiation with PSG to finish the transfer, and it would be at least 15 million, is what
2: PSG are asking. I think this is a steal. Oscar, do you agree? I think it's a steal, too, absolutely. I think Paredes, uh, he's a great player. He's one of the best midfielders Argentina has at the moment. And a double pivot with Paredes and Pogba when he's back from injury, I think would be great for Juventus because both are players that can go up and can come down at the same moment. And both are players that can do the defensive job pretty well as well.
0: Yeah, and by, by the way, like thanks for mentioning Pogba because apparently he's decided not to get surgery and this would mean he'd only be out for about six weeks and could start, well, join the start of the season and be ready for the World Cup. We'll see how that goes. Do you think that's a,
1: the right decision? Um, You know, who am I to say, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, he's got, you know, world-class doctors working with him. Um, the only thing that I would worry, I mean, and they've, like I said, they've, with world class doctors, they obviously know a lot more than my stupid ass. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, though, the only thing that would kind of concern me if I'm especially Juventus is—is is he really kind of pushing for this conservative treatment because he wants to make the World Cup, and does that come with a risk of a of a further injury? Um, you know, a lot of times surgery is kind of the very safe, um, long term route. Um, and, you know, a lot of times kind of fixes the issue, but does come with a pretty long timeline to sit out. Um, so I, I would be a, possibly a little bit concerned and, and, and would want to, you know, know whether he's he's trying to do this just because he's so desperate to get in the World Cup squad that he's willing to sacrifice, you know, injuring himself further. That's the only thing. But I mean, you know, if if doctor signed off on it and there's really a low risk there, then, um, you know, that's good for Juventus, good for the player in, in the World Cup. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see how that all plays out. I think it's a mistake. Um,
0: and it makes me think about Ansu Fati's case. Dr. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, uh, I mean, Pogba's played a World Cup. He's won a World Cup. Um, and I'm not saying that it doesn't matter anymore to play a World Cup. But why is he so desperate? You know, um, I think he's also starting with a new club this decision could mean that he's not going to be back to his best it could mean that he's never going to go back to his best who knows you know um that's why that's why players like you said it's the safest option you they decide to get surgery and then they can properly recover so if he if he was thinking about juventus and this is how juventus must see it if he if he was thinking about the club and how he's he's going to perform for them then he probably would have done gone for surgery but now he's thinking about the world cup and this is why he wants to just speed up his recovery but what if he... I mean, I don't think he's going to be back to his best for the, in time for the World Cup. That's what Wait, I believe. Rick, can I just say... Sorry,
1: one thing here. This is exactly why I'm not a huge fan of Pogba. And I mean, you know, Oscar, you can weigh in as well as as more of a Premier League guy. You saw, saw him at Man United. Um, I just think he's selfish. And... I I don't like that kind of guy in in my team. I think he's got, I think he brings a lot of baggage with him in terms of attitude issues. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, I, I don't like to try to step out of line and say things, you know, definitively without knowing all the facts. Cause let's face it. We'll never know all the facts. Right. But just given the way he, his antics are, even the way he, he did the whole presentation about, him moving to Juventus, like this guy's like Messi or what Ronaldo. Is still talking about the jet and the yeah, just, I just, the, the guy. I don't know. Like he just. I, I'm not a huge fan of Progba in terms of his personality, like the way he he goes about things. I like players with personality. I just think he he's just a guy who who's a little bit of. A, he's got an inflated ego. Um, maybe for his own good too, but. I don't know. Hopefully, this isn't just something, you know, where he's thinking about himself only and not taking into consideration, you know, a team that's that's invested a lot in him. But, you know what? If he screws Juventus over, then I might become his biggest fan. Who knows?
2: You know, club-wise, I gave up on Pogba when uh, I think after his second or third season with Man United. Because, I mean, he was underperforming. He was coming from being a hot prospect and one of the best midfielders in his position. Uh, at Juventus, and then just that downgrade at Man United, and just kind of settling in being there, not trying to get better. That's when I gave up on him. So, I think he's a guy that he's just uh, trying to be fit for the World Cup. You know, he doesn't care about clubs anymore, he just cares about, yeah, but that's not, that's not, I don't think, like.
0: I don't think that's just Pogba. I think any player in his position would probably value the World Cup over anything else. You know, I and and well, you know, speaking, Rick, you just said it. So no, I, I know.
2: How do you get to a World Cup? I you did get to say a World it. Cup I performing did. for
0: your club. I know. I did say it, but I, and and, and I, I I said that I know that he's prioritizing the World Cup, and that. But at the end of the day, I think any other player would in this situation. What I'm saying no, is wait, that Pogba I mean. has arguments not. He has arguments not to prioritize it.
1: You got, no, sorry, different. What I meant to say was no no, I meant to say where you said, not about him prioritizing the World Cup. But look, this guy's won the World Cup. Yeah. He's played like and not to and like again, like you like you said and you made a good point. Listen, it's not um, just because you win the World Cup doesn't mean that it's not a hunger to, to win more, right? You wanna win you wanna have build the biggest legacy as you can on the world stage. But if you've already won a World Cup, you know, and you've played a major part in that World Cup, I mean, I can understand wanting, wanting again to, it only comes every four years, whatever. I, I get it. But that's, that to me is exactly what speaks very loudly to me is that this guy is so in tune with whatever he wants to do that he won't put, he will never, he's the kind of guy that will never put the team first. In my opinion, I honestly I think that if this was something where he like was a very serious risk of re-injury. I think um, a guy like... And it's hard because you can't compare him to Messi because Messi's never won a World Cup. But let's just say Messi had a World Cup under his belt. If this he's was something where Messi... Yeah, hopefully. If this was something that were to, to to jeopardize the rest of his playing career and really screw over his teammates, I, I, I think he would, he would do what's right. Whereas Pogba will always do what's, what's only in his, his interest and never what is in his team's interest. Whether I or not think- he's right or wrong... It's up it's for you to say, but that's just who he is. I mean, I think you guys are being a bit too harsh
0: on Pogba. Uh you're taking you what you're talking about is his Man United time, right? At Juventus, he was fantastic. He didn't really, you know, yeah, the haircuts and all that stuff, okay. But he was pretty good. Aside from who you are. Yeah, but aside from that, he was he was fantastic on and off the pitch. And then obviously this world-class transfer. 125 million euros you know it, 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 all of a sudden your price tag is huge so the pressure comes on he never really were, was at his best but you got to you got to make sure that you emphasize that united was the most dysfunctional that it's ever been in recent history in the last 230 years and he in, played a big part of that well yeah he played some I don't part know of that. he played a big part he played some part in it. He played some part
1: in it, but I don't think he was. Hitting Dude, this the guy stuff. was a leader on the team. Like I, again, I don't want to dunk on Pogba too much. I just, at the end of the day, that's who he is to me. He's a, he's he's kind of a, a bit of a, an ego ego guy, and I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I shouldn't speak at a term too much because I don't know all the specifics. But just from what I've seen from him and the way that he can kind of emulate and, and sort of himself. I, I feel like he's he's a little bit of a selfish player, but you know what? World Cup's a World Cup. So you're right in that sense, Rick. But it's just I don't know. I'd be a bit worried if I'm a Juve fan, because I think that this guy doesn't care if you know if he has to miss like the whole season for Juve just to go to the World Cup, I don't think he would care personally. You you're probably <laughs> right, Gio, but we'll move. We'll move along
0: from Stand to everyone with silence <laughs> there. Let's not give let's not give this guy too much of the spotlight. Um let's go into Chelsea, all right. And let's continue Classic. talking about Memphis Depay because he's still one of the targets. Tuco does like him. But apparently, there's another link to that number nine position at Chelsea and it's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Fabrizio Romano, I know Gio, Gio, I know you don't like him, but um, his information <laughs> is normally pretty good and reliable. So Fabrizio Romano has said guy. that Aubameyang is now a serious option for Chelsea. And personally, I'm not a big fan. Oscar. We'll start with you. What do you think about that one? Do you think it's, it's it's a good move or it would be a good move to get him even as a loan or, um, or on a short-term contract to go back to London but
2: now for Chelsea? I mean, we got to weigh both sides of the balance. Barcelona wants to offload some players and if I'm not mistaken, I think Aubameyang is one of those players that they want to offload because they already have the number nine spot for Lewandowski, and I think the the bench for Lewandowski could be Ferran Torres. So, obviously, uh, they want to offload some players. But now on the Chelsea side, Chelsea needs a number nine, especially if they end up Timo Werner uh, let go to another club. And what a best player than Pierre-Emerick, or what a best striker than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who has proven himself in the Premier League, who performed at a top level at Arsenal. And who is still scoring goals and showing you that he can perform at the highest level because he did it with Barcelona these past six months. And about the contract, I think uh, Aubameyang is uh, in his low 30s. So it would be ideal for Chelsea to sign a player of that age and give him like a two-year contract, just waiting for another number nine to emerge and try to go for him in what could be a next uh, signing for the future. So here you go. Uh, Wameyang is 33 years old. I wouldn't yeah. really
0: say low. I mean, it's low 30s, obviously, but is he going to give you three good years? Is going to give you two? Um, is he still good to shine in the
2: Premier League? I think Travis. he is. If he, yeah. did La- uh, he did it in La Liga with Barcelona, he can still do it. In the Premier League, and if he was, if he, if he wasn't doing it at Arsenal before departing, was because of the bad relationship he had with the club. I know, but you can't. I wouldn't. I couldn't. I don't think I could.
1: Even if he's had success in in La Liga, very different than the EPL. I think it's. I see what you're saying, Oscar. I, I personally don't think that that um well uh, that Barcelona will. I think that they'll probably look to move to pai uh yeah. first. Um. I just think because Aubameyang played really well for Barcelona and I think now with Lewandowski kind of, um, you know, kind of acclimating himself, I think Aubameyang brings a a kind of a more reliable um, secondary option for them. Um, For me, I think I would like to see Chelsea personally kind of get their guy. You know, I think it's been a while now where they've, you know, well, I mean, not a while. They had Lukaku and that kind of blew up in their face, but. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I'd be interested to see. Like, I, I don't know if there's there's really any links on the market for for a long term um, guy. I mean, I don't know if they still they have right now. Are there options essentially? Ricky, you know, would it be ha- like? Let's say Chelsea doesn't do anything. Would it be Havertz and Broja as the kind of main guys so at the moment? It looks like
0: like yeah, like Broja Broja will, will remain. Um, at Chelsea, Tuco wants, to, wants him to stay and he was close to West Ham and now they signed Skamaka so that pretty much leave them, left him them without many options. I mean, he, he does have links to other Premier League clubs but I think they're just going to wait till the end of the transfer market. If Chelsea's able to close on Aubameyang, on Depay, on another attacker that comes up because we're being linked to people every day, um, then, then, then Armando Broja would probably go to another Premier League club on loan. Right. This is what I think will happen in the end. Um, but with Chelsea, I mean, you never really know. Aubameyang was a huge, huge surprise for me. Uh, Memphis, I've been praying that we, we are interested, and now it looks like we are. But if Aubameyang is an option, I mean, he's a, if you think about it clearly, he's a proper number nine.
2: Yeah, he, who's going to give you more goals, Memphis or Aubameyang?
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. Who's going to score more goals? Aubameyang. But then he's gonna be dependent on us creating and providing and and getting service into the box because Aubameyang can't play on a wing. But if he plays on a the wing, then it's pointless. We shouldn't even sign him because Depay can create more from the wing that he can. Right? I'd so be he more sh-
1: excited for
0: Depay and Sterling working. on hundred percent, hundred percent than Depay and Aubameyang. A hundred percent, and it's, sorry, interesting it's, it's interesting because it's interesting because on a recent interview, Kulivali was saying that. Well, he kind of mentioned that they're working on a three-five-two, right? When Chelsea's been playing a three-four-three, so right now a three-five-two would be Havertz and Sterling up top, probably, and you play with with five in the middle, essentially, uh, two fullbacks, which would be Reese James on the right and on the left either Chilwell or well now Cucurella. We're going to talk about him in a little bit, and then then that gives you more options in the midfield, and it, it it gives you Sterling playing up top next to someone else. If you're playing like that, I would say Depay is better. Play up top next to Sterling. If not, if you're playing a three-four-three, then maybe you want to go for a Yang who's going to be making runs into the box. But now he needs Sterling to be a provider. He needs Reese James to provide those those crosses that that he's be, he'd been doing last season, right? So it's gonna it's gonna be dependent on how Tuco wants to play, how much he wants to use the the, the full backs and the wing backs, which he does use a lot. So I think I I prefer the pie as a player, but seeing as to what Tuco wants to achieve and how he wants to play, maybe it's better suited for a number nine like um, Aubameyang, you know? And, and the, the only thing with him is is 33 years old. So like you said, there's no long-term option there. The so pie could be a long-term option. The pie could
2: sign a five-year deal right now. But he's uh, so eight. What's the matter if he's 33? Lewandowski's 33 too, and nobody's saying uh, anything. Uh, but but is no Lewandowski.
0: Aubameyang has no Lewandowski.
2: Well, but he, he's can, still, he can still
0: guarantee you goals. I don't know. Maybe it's me just not wanting an Arsenal
2: player in, uh, in Chelsea's ranks. I don't I know. I think it's very... It doesn't seem good. right. You see, here's the problem with the pie. I'm, and I'm going to say it out loud. I don't think the pie is ready to... Uh, or I don't know if he'll ever be ready to play for a big club because he's disappointed oh. at Man United. He's disappointing at Barca. And I know no. he, hasn't been given a lot, he hasn't been given a lot of minutes. <laughs> he's, not, he's not being I don't disappointing know. at Barca. I mean, look at his best, his best moments were when, well, when he was at Lyon. Yes. He didn't have any pressure at all. But look, massive but club. this is the thing.
0: Um, <laughs> actually, Lyon <laughs> is a massive club in France. No, look. United. Again, this functional man United. Even earlier stages, right after Sir Alex had left, You know, he had the, who did he he have? He had Bengal then he had the moist, I don't even remember the, the order of the disaster at United. But it's, again, very dysfunctional United. You're talking about a United where peak Angel Di Maria couldn't shine. You're talking about a United where peak Juan Mata was not able to shine. So this is the thing, you know? You can't say, "Oh, he did. He disappointed at United because, in the end, like I think everything around them was crap. So it's hard to shine when you're, you know, it's like it's like me here. You know, if you guys give me a crap environment, I can't shine. I can't give my, you know, my football takes, and people won't appreciate my work. You know, it's the same thing, Oscar. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I
2: hope you guys are. are, are I, I try to keep you on your toes. But anyways, I mean. Here's, here's my final comments on this. I think what Chelsea has lacked in the last two years or in the last couple of years has been a proper number nine that can score you 25 to 30 goals a season. And that player is Aubameyang by a country mile rather than Memphis Depay.
0: Yeah, but what if you want to... Do you know what we've missed too since Hazard left? A goal-scoring winger. You know?
2: You we got want Sterling.
0: To, yeah, exactly. So if we want to exploit Sterling, we need someone that can open, open uh, space in behind, like the pie. Aubameyang won't do that. The same same kind of... You guys movement. want Carlos Perez? No, no, thank you. Okay. We won't, we're all good, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, I think Aubameyang, like Oscar, I, I kind of agree with you. Because if we do want a goal scorer, that is Aubameyang. If we want a creative force up top that is the pie for me and he would be more of a longer term option that is why i'm for the pie the pie talking about more versatile man that's the thing yeah 100 he can give you more in different different areas anyways enough on the pie but not enough on chelsea let's keep talking about chelsea recent links um well you know what let's not go to the links let's go to what pretty is pretty much close which is mark cucurella from brighton Oscar, this one must sting a little bit. Are you is good? You want no? You want some ice? <laughs> uh because Manchester City was very uh was very, very close or wanted him bad. Uh they Manchester offered forty City
2: million. Might want it, he might have wanted him, it, it was ah, pointless for oh, me.
0: Now he doesn't. Okay, that's fine. But it was forty they offered forty million pounds. Uh Chelsea, I mean Brighton were not interested, they wanted more. City didn't go for it. Chelsea did. They offered apparently fifty-two point five million pounds. And this is the part I don't like too much. Levi Cole will might be going to Brighton on a permanent deal. Um, however, it sounds like it's going to be 20 million twenty million pounds. And there's a buyback clause for 40 million, which is not too much. If he knocks it out of the park, 40 million is a very good amount for a, pers- a player that could come in and play in the back, back line of three or four. So I'm kind of happy. I'm happy. I don't think was going to get the amount of minutes he deserved. But,
2: Oscar, what can you say about Cucurella, even though you say you didn't want him? I mean, it's a fantastic signing for Chelsea. That's all I can say. And, I mean, this just shows you, like Chelsea hijacking the deal from Manchester City just shows you that everything that the player said, that he just wanted to work under Guardiola, it was just... They were just lies to get out of that club. I mean, he oh. had an unbelievable season last year. And then Chelsea comes knocking out of the door and he's just offering 10 more million. He's going to say yes because he's, he just wants to leave Brighton. It's not because he wanted to work under Guardiola. But regardless of that, I think it's a great move for him as well because obviously it's a massive improvement for his career. So he's moving from a mid-table team to a top-four contender team. So it's a great deal for him and it's a great deal for Chelsea I have to say now speaking about the price I mean this Too just, much. this just shows you how the market is right now I mean huge overpay I wouldn't pay 50 60 million for Cucurella I think it's just worth around 30 okay but that's yeah. the thing okay there you go so you said
0: 30 these guys are paying 50 and getting 20 for Levi Colwell so essentially it's it balances it, thirty. Yeah, it balances out because Kovalev was not going to be that important this year. And to be honest, I keep saying that I wanted Kovalev to stay. But if Chelsea are willing to do this, it must mean something. Tuchel must have seen something. He maybe thinks that Kovalev is not ready, or he just simply doesn't like him. But if there's a buyback clause, it leads me to think that he just thinks he's not ready this year. He could come back for him next
2: year. You know, it's going to be interesting to see though how Cucurella fits in Chelsea. Because Chilwell is a a fantastic left back as
0: well. So this is where we're going to talk about this because you're talking about Chilwell. Yes. So Cucurella mainly plays as a left fullback slash wingback, right? He's pretty good in the attacking part of the game. Chilwell is too. The problem with Chilwell is his fitness, right? So he wasn't fit for most of the season last year. But... There's also, and I've been what I've been getting, reports have been uh, saying that he is also could be an option to fill in the left, center back position. And this is where I think it becomes interesting, because I think he maybe could I don't think he's got the size for it, maybe, but he like if that's why Tuku was pretty much interested in, in closing it quickly, right? So I think that's another option. But talking about that, let's go into Chelsea's options for those positions in the back. Right? Fofana is the biggest target right now. Apparently, he's like, Leicester asking for almost 80 million pounds, which is a lot. But Skriniar, and this is where I'm going to get Luke Gio in, Skriniar is worth close to that too, um, over 70 million euros. So, Gio, do you think Skriniar would be a better fit than Fofana? Or do you think, um, like, because you've seen him plenty in the Serie A, uh, and you know what his situation is with Inter, could he be going that way because it seems like PSG were were hunting uh for screenyard and now they're kind of everything's quieted down now.
1: Well yeah, I mean screen Yard to me is, is probably the best center back in city uh, right now. Um I mean, uh, if if not top 3, um you know he's right up there. So, um I think he'd be a great fit with with Chelsea and I, and I do think that um although Beppe, uh Marotta, you know, says says what he says and i mean typical italians just talking out of their ass and then doing something else but um basically it's what you do here in this podcast so uh, exactly you might as well hey Beppe why don't you come on here and you can (laughs) lie to us about how you're not going to sell people um (laughs) but um no really i i I think i think enters in a position now especially after what they what they did for lukaku um and some of the other things that they've they've wanted to do as well i mean it still makes me laugh that they basically missed out on Dybala because they got Mkhitaryan. But, um, you know, that's, that's for another day. Um, but so I do think that there might have to be a sale in their near future. And I could see it coming. Um, especially if, you know, Todd bowl is willing to, to meet that demand. I mean, this guy likes to splash his cash around. Um, so if he's, if he's willing to meet that demand and I think screeners is a fantastic fit. Um, and I think, you know, between him and Fofana, both great players. Um, to be quite honest, I, I don't really know much about like who's better between Fofana and Skriniar. I mean, you can make arguments for both. So I think either way, if Todd Bowley is willing to meet the valuation of, of both those players, or one of those players, rather, um, it's a great fit. But I think you'll have better luck with Skriniar. Uh, So, okay. So
0: wait, wait, wait. So I'm going to disagree. And precisely because of the last two things that you said, number one, Bowley is willing to pay for any of them. Okay. Number two, you said between the two, maybe there's not much of a difference. There's not one that would be a lot better than the other for Chelsea. And the difference maker for me is Premier League proven is Fofana and he's 21 years old. Yeah, no coachable.
1: That's what I was. Good. That's what I mean too. Is that like you know you could make an argument. There's arguments on both sides, right? Like, like he uh, Fofana. The fact that he's he's got Premier League like, experience. He is uh, not a huge amount younger. I think Screener is only like twenty three, twenty four. But um, nonetheless, like you can make arguments for both. I think it's just going to come down to to the price um, and see see what they can pull off. I I don't think they're going to get either of them, to be honest. But oh wow. Uh, I would love to see you guys take Skriniar away from me. That would be, that'd be great for me. But Skriniar, Skriniar is
0: uh, 27, by the way. But is he? Oh, wow. He's, yeah, so he's a bit older. And I don't I mind if all. center back wow. can play to the 35 if they take care of themselves. Exactly. Or 38 like Thiago, right? But he's 27. I would take Fofana over Skriniar, to be honest. Even if he's worth a little more, bring him to Chelsea in seven, eight years' time when he still plays for Chelsea. Nobody's going to remember how much you paid for him. Let's go into another English team. Well, English champions, really. And let's talk about Manchester City. They lost the Community Shield to Liverpool 3-1. Darwin Nunez came in and changed the game. Um, Won the PK. Scored near the end. But let's talk about his counterpart, Erling Haaland. Didn't have a great game. Well, to be honest, I'm going to be fair here, Oscar. I'm going to be fair. First half, he was very good. I think he was very good. He was finding the right spots. Um checking into the right pockets, uh obviously battling defenders you had he had Van Dyke right in front of him, so that's pretty challenging, but couldn't score you know, had a couple of chances, some very good chances um and then especially that one near the end in the in the last minute, where I don't know what happened that's just a glitch for Haaland, I think um and now it it, it begs the question: does city have to adapt to Haaland's game because they've been playing without a number nine for let's say, two years, better part of two years? Um, or does Haaland have to adapt more to Manchester City's style of play? Because Guardiola came out saying after the game that they're not going to change how they play. But I think there, there needs to be some compromise if they want their number nine to score them loads of goals. And that's why they brought him in.
2: I think the only compromise would be Haaland adapting to the high pressure uh, that Guardiola likes to enforce in his team. And I don't think that's, that's going to be a problem, you know? It's just a matter of time for when he's fully adapted to that style of play. If you take a look at Haaland's movement with and without the ball, he's has uh, been constantly pressing, you know, even more than what he used to do at Dortmund. But here's the thing. A lot of things are going to change for Erling Haaland now that he moved to a bigger club because he could go two or three games at Dortmund without scoring a goal. Nobody would say anything. If he goes two or three games, even just one without scoring a goal in Manchester City, people are going to start criticizing, criticizing him and throwing sticks at him. So that's something that I don't know how it would uh, fit into Erling Haaland's uh, development because he's not used to those type of critics. I mean, I think he's got the mentality for it, um, or that's what he's shown us
0: until now. But yeah, you're right. The English press is brutal. Right, it Kind of like the Spanish press, and it's a bigger league, it's a bigger scenario, and he's never really been in that kind of stage, aside from Champions League, but he was always with Dortmund. Dortmund would always, if, if they make the quarterfinals, they're already overperforming for the season, you know? If City get dropped out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals, it's an absolute mess, right? So now it's the, the standards are different. Gio, what do you think? Do you think that maybe... Guardiola should find a way to adapt to his new number nine because it's 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 big money. It's a big money signing. Not as big as it should have been, but it's a big money signing at the end of the day. You know why you brought him in. Um, he's got one job, which is to score as many goals as possible and help the team out in the bigger games like that against Liverpool. Do you think that City should change a little bit more and try and fit, fit into what Haaland needs? Or should Haaland just kind of figure it out, you know, and, uh, and, do, and do the best to fit into how
1: City already play. So I'll answer that question. But first, this is oh, no. the stupidest thing. I honestly, the Daily Mail, the Guardian, they should all be utterly ashamed of themselves. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. It actually like grinds my gears. This guy has played one game. One game, not even a league game, but one game with a new team, a new country, a vastly different system under uh, an extremely rare, unique um, top tier coach. Like, do, do they think that they just bought a robot? Do, do people think this is FIFA 22 where you can just put in a, a guy based off his rating and that he's going to come in and just immediately start flooding the net? Like my God, I am actually disgusted with the English press. Whoever wrote those articles, please call into the show so I can tell you how much of a jackass you are for writing that. Because I'm serious. This is this is absolutely what's wrong with 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 sports media, man. Like it's clearly that people have nothing better to do than to write complete garbage like this. Look, Haaland is an elite, like world class talent. He will figure it out. I mean, do you not think that like throughout this entire training time that he hasn't been working with um, Pep Guardiola on what they expect from him and what he expects from them? There is going to be a time, there's always a growing period of meshing with your players. Now, to answer your question, I think it has to be a little bit of both. I think that Uh, for Guardiola and his staff, they need to be, they're obviously well-equipped and smart enough to understand what Haaland can do. That's why they went out and got him in the first place. They wouldn't get him if they didn't like his attributes and couldn't fit into their system. But also Haaland, there's an adjustment period for him and I think he knows that. You're seeing him slowly, even in in the the last game, which is one game, you can see that he's slowly picking up what he needs to do, right? He's slowly kind of Gaining more confidence um, and sort of, like you said in the first half, getting into the right pockets, getting right positions. I mean, he missed a sitter in the, in the end of the game that he should have scored, but you know, he's going to score those goals and he's going to do it at a high pace. So all these people saying that he's not fitting into Man City, like my God, give your head a shake. I, I, I can't, I can't with that. I think it's absolutely asinine. Um, this kid is a world class talent. Guardiola is a world-class coach, and Man City is
2: a world-class club, they're going to figure it out. And just adding a little bit more, I don't think he's going to have to adapt, or Man City will have to adapt. I'll adapt a lot to his style of play, because Man City is a team that is constantly creating chances. And I personally think that the best trait Erling Haaland has is being a finisher at the right, yeah but being yes, at seeing yes. ra- so, at the right he, moment at the right time he's a, yeah, and you're right he's a finisher but city and and city create
0: loads of chances but you know how city scored or how, how they've scored in the last two years is by crowding the box because there's no one initially when that play when De Bruyne has the ball at the at the corner of the box there's no one in the box yet Right? And Haaland will be in the box. And you could see it against Liverpool. There were several situations in which Haaland was making a run, a proper number nine run in behind, and Grealish wouldn't play him the ball. Or they played him a bit too late or too early. and Or, or, or it wasn't the, a great ball. And, and this is the thing. This is where they have to adjust. They have, There has to come a point where the people that provide the service, like Grealish, like De Bruyne, like Foden, like Morris, like whoever's playing, has to adapt to this guy's movement and they have to be able to identify the right moment to play a ball. And Gio, why are you, why are you, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I know listen. You, you like to tear the, you, you like to tear the English media a new one. I love that. Yo, listen, one, Chico,
1: listen. No, no, no. It's like, it, come But on, Dio, you
0: mentioned one thing. You mentioned one thing you said, Haaland is going to score loads of goals. Yes, yes, perfect. He's going he is, to. But we, would, we don't want Haaland to score goals against Leeds United, against Wolverhampton. We don't. We don't care about that. We don't want him to stat bad like Lewandowski I, does in the Bundesliga. We need him to score against the okay, Liverpool, against, that's against that's the Chelsea, United, against <laughs> Arsenal. Who's going to be great this year?
1: You know, you don't have, have to bring love into this. But <laughs> 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 listen, give them time. It's been no. one. I think I think you're right. I we will
0: give him time because I I'm not saying you.
1: I'm not saying you. I'm just saying like this whole idea that like oh man like Grealish had, didn't play him the ball in time and they're not connecting and like oh they have to adapt. That's what time like it takes time to mesh. I mean this kid is coming from a completely different environment. He needs to get his feet wet. I mean I think honestly, if I'm being honest, I think the reason the English media is in hysteria right now, making complete asses of themselves, is because Darwin Nunez has yes. adapted yes. much quicker.
0: A hundred percent. But Gio, no, I don't think he's adapted a lot a lot quicker. I think he's just maybe he fits the mold a little better because Liverpool already played in a in a in a in a way that suits a number nine. City did not. City had no number nine for the oh, past really? two years. Yes, yes it did. Because they the movement the nine no, but I mean when he, when you put Jota in he plays he plays a little bit more into into that role, you know? And it's not a lot different like what what Núñez and Núñez is also a number 9 that feels a lot more comfortable stepping out of the box than Haaland does. Well,
2: right. said So, so okay, he's uh, his, 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 uh, his more technically gifted
0: than Haaland. Yeah, but listen. So this is the thing. Wait, Gio, wait. So you like what I was saying, we don't want him to score against the easy Easy teams that City normally beats 5-0 already, right? We need this guy to be a game-changer against the big clubs. And I'm going to give you a stat here. Well, it's not really a stat, but do you think that Suarez was good for Liverpool? Yes. Yeah, he was fantastic. Do you want to know how many goals he scored against the Big Six? He scored in his time in the Premier League, which was about five seasons, I want to say, or four. He scored four goals against Tottenham. He scored two against Arsenal, two against United, two against Chelsea. He scored one goal against Manchester City. That's it. That's about, what, 10 goals maybe? Against the okay. big six? It's not enough, right? So you can't really say, and, and everybody says, yeah, that Liverpool version of strike of uh, Suarez was fantastic. Probably his speak. Yes, it was wonderful. I loved watching him. But he would score four goals against Norwich and then he wouldn't show up against Chelsea or City in the, w- in the next
2: weekend, you know? You just you can't. You gotta you you understand that it's not the same playing a team that's at level than playing a team that's Alright, this is the relegation. first okay so this
0: is the first time aside from Champions League games maybe where there's a like Haaland had to face a center back that was world class that was as big as him that was, would would bother him body him off the ball right so and he struggled and they can work on it as much as you want you city can work on their playing style and suiting Haaland as much as you want we know that he's got the finishing technique we know that he's got it all down but when he faces Thiago Silva, when he faces Van Dijk, is he going to be able to perform? That's my only question. Uh,
2: yeah, I guess I, time I, will tell. Time will
1: tell. Like, that's the thing. It's like, uh, give the guys some time first. Like, you you know, like, all these, like, everybody freaking out, man, City fans, media, whatever. T-
2: talk to us in September. You know? Talk to, talk to us Monday. I bet he'll <laughs> three Sunday. Bye. Yeah, that's right. Well, like, give the
1: guy some time to gel, man. Like this guy's coming from, t- like I said, like for the five hundredth time, he's coming from somewhere totally different. Stop burying the guy over, over, over one community shield game that nobody cares about. Okay, but do they you're, care? About, I don't know. It's England, I, I don't know. Don't talk to me as if you're addressing the English press. It's not me. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just no, saying I'm not, what I'm I think. Not. <laughs> I just, I, I honestly think, I, I think, I think Rick, I think you're. You're you up to lunch here, buddy. Okay, guys, you know what? I'm I'm, out. Gio, I'm I'm tired of you. We're
0: gonna we're gonna end it here. We're gonna end it here. But we are gonna go into stoppage time. All right. So um, make sure you stay tuned here because we're gonna start with a start bench drop like we always do. All right. Uh, we're gonna go center backs. Iconic or well, I don't want to say iconic yet because Van Dyke is in there. Virgil Van Dyke, Vincent Kompany. Rio Ferdinand. Ooh. Start bench drop. Who wants oh, yeah. to start?
2: I guess I'll start. And you know, I was actually discussing with other people today Premier League rankings, speak about midfielders, strikers, and we didn't speak about defense. So I guess I have to start Rio Ferdinand. Okay. And I'll bench Van Dijk and drop Vincent Company. Oof. okay so
0: he's you said you're starting Ferdinand, you're dropping company and you're starting
2: and he's benching van dyke yeah and that doesn't mean that company is a bad center back because he's had a way better career than virgil van dyke at the moment when we're speaking about premier league mm-hmm. but the composure van dyke has and the solidness how solid he is with and without the ball i think just makes him an overall center, better center back company than company.
1: Uh I had the same.
2: Um, yeah. Although I think
1: Ferdinand's an absolute dickhead. Um, <laughs> he's. I would. <laughs> I would start real. I would bench uh, Van Dijk. Uh, you know what? No, uh, just to be different, I'll start Van Dijk and bench the dickhead Ferdinand, and then I'm sorry, company. You seem like a good lad, but just on the outside for me.
0: Gosh, it looks like Gio doesn't like anybody from from England. And it's just, a pretty, well, I just just I the uh,
1: two guys that I liked a lot. It just re oh,
0: hey, Tammy <laughs> Abraham, best yeah. striker in the world. All right, that's that's just <laughs> Chelsea. That's not England. That's Chelsea. Specifically. Okay, okay, okay. Um, we did that for you. Anyways, um, I would say, gosh, this is actually a hard one for me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna drop Van Dijk. That's just stupid. I'm gonna drop Van Dyke. I'm gonna start uh, Ferdinand, and I'm gonna bench Vincent Kompany. That's stupid. Whoa. I don't. I think. Whoa, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, if we we're talking about composure. They're all com- very much like very composed. They are. They're all quality center backs. They're all good in the air. Um, there's very little between them that can define them. To be honest, Van Dyke is kind of impressive. Uh, now, but I just went with legacy in this one um what like you said Oscar like in the Premier League company has achieved more than Van Dyke. at the moment it's probably not going to be that way in five years when Van Dyke has won a couple more Premier Leagues and and maybe another Champions League to his name but right now I went with that for that criteria um wow Rick wow I'm I'm sorry to you I'm (laughs) sorry I keep disappointing you I keep disappointing you um okay Second second question, and this one is uh, next to, actually, uh, dynamics here are going to kind of catch you off guard. Um, if you could change a specific moment in football history, which one would it be? Any moment. Any moment
1: okay. at all. If we, I would change the second leg of the <laughs> champion <laughs> against <laughs> Liverpool. Against Liverpool, where we got, and I will stick with this, we got ripped off. All right, in the 2018 uh, Champions League semi-final, when Roma went home, if there was VAR, Trent Alexander-Arnold with a clear handball um, in the box, he, he literally volleyball spiked it and got away with it. Um, there was multiple other instances in that game where Jekyll was actually onside, got tripped in the box by Carius. Uh, I think was the keeper at that time. Um, was onside got called offside got tripped in the box and that obviously got negated because of the offside Um, and multiple other instances of just robbery so if I could change something I would I would basically put in a a competent referee and a competent competent VAR team and the Roma would have advanced to a Champions League final against Real Madrid in 2018 which is what would have lasted doesn't matter it would have been
2: a final that's true. That's true. All right, Oscar. I'm going to be very specific with this one, and I would change Pep Guardiola's decision of not coming out with a defensive midfielder in the Champions League final against Chelsea. And I mean, I have to say it Manchester City way, were way better than Chelsea that season. Yes. Chelsea won most of the duels against City, but the football that Man City was playing that season was the best football I've seen them play in my whole life. And I really think that coming out with a defensive midfielder would have won the Champions League for City, which at the end would have been the combination of a love story between Aguero and the club. I'm telling you,
0: I still don't know how Chelsea won that Champions League final. Um, I mean, I'm not complaining, but I don't know how uh, the way City was playing that year. Yeah, I, I'll just, I'll just take it. Um, okay, me. One of the things that I would have loved to to see happen, it back in 2014 World Cup final was uh, any of the other any any anyone Messi scoring that goal, Iguain not being offside, Palacio not trying to chip it over Neuer when he was like one feet away from the goal line uh, just Argentina beating Germany in the final um, if I'm talking about Chelsea I would I would erase from history the 2009 2009 well I think you guys know no, no 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 the game against Barcelona where we got so many calls the wrong way uh, when Balak went following the referee, right sprinting after the referee about for, for, for the full field. I, I would I would just erase that from everybody's memory. It never happened. Chelsea would have probably reached the final. Maybe even won that Champions League. Ah, just, uh, yeah. that's still, I, um, That, that one actually, still hurts. Can I add one more international Theo one? He always wants to add stuff. <laughs> it says his. No, Everybody goes, then he wants to add some stuff.
1: The, no, I just thought of this one. This one's a little bit dark. Um, so... So stay with me on this one. Um, if I could take, and this is, this would trump anything because it included human lives, um, was the Superga air disaster um, yeah. in 1949 um, of that killed the entire Torino football team. Yeah. Um, you know, just that arguably was the best team ever. Um, you can make a case for it. Um, one of the best teams ever for sure. Um and, um, obviously, you know, wouldn't have grown up in that time to watch them play. But, um, I know that, that, uh, that was something for my grandfather who was, you know, 22 years old at the time. Um, and you know, that I couldn't imagine if, uh, if something like that happened, you know, it's like if, if something like that happened with Chelsea Roma now in our, in our day and age, right. At our age, our favorite team, um, so, you know, prayers that nothing like that ever happens, but uh, that definitely trumps all of them for me. Well, I mean, that's that's mean. You can't say that because now we look, you know, we look
0: terrible now. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you, you. Guys are very, <laughs> you guys are very shallow people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one here. Last one before we go. I'm going to ask you to, so we're going to do a prediction on the Premier League. It's coming up on Friday now. Um, nice. We're recording on Wednesday. So just a quick prediction, if you can quick fire just tell me who's going to be the champion which teams are going to be in the top four player of the year flop or disappointment of the year in terms of uh, team and in terms of player and the first manager to be sacked all right so you want to hear them again you want to hear them again Oscar we'll start with you by the way No, no, no time to think so champion top four player of the year Disappointment of the year, collective and individual, and the first player, the first manager to be sacked.
2: Champion Manchester City, okay. Top four, City first, Liverpool second, Arsenal third, and I would go with Tottenham fourth. Player of the year, no Chelsea. (laughs) Wrong. Game. You're wrong. I think, I think this title race would be very similar to the one we saw last year with Liverpool chasing Manchester City until the final stages of the season. And a lot will be influenced by Mo Salah's performance. I think he'll be the player of the year. Okay. Uh, flop of the year in terms of team and uh, player, I think flop will be Manchester United again I don't think they're gonna get into those uh, top four positions or even fight for them flop as a player uh, this was a very tough one
1: That's because
2: ha- I'd have to think about that one but if I just had to mention one right now bring be <laughs> uh, jackass <laughs> <laughs> I would go Rich Richarlison.
0: Richarlison. Yeah, could be. That, that's mine. That's the one I'm gonna pick
2: probably. Could be. I, I would I would have to analyze more the signings that we've seen. When he goes to been a lot. Oh that, that would be a banger for real. <laughs> and uh Sack. I think Sack would be Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Really? Yeah. Wait, what did you say for your player of the year? You
0: said Salah, right? Yeah, Mo Salah. Okay. Okay. That, that's okay, it. Okay. okay. Hmm, interesting. All right. Gio, you got something? Yeah, oh, God. Well, it's, it's a kind of a gutless question, but I'll... Uh...
1: <laughs> Everything I suggest here, Gio says gutless. is his favorite actor. I do like the word gutless. I find it. it is quite fun to say. Um. Okay. So, to, uh, first one was top four, right? Yes. So, so champion. Champion. These champion. I'm going to go Liverpool champion. Man City 2. Um, I'm going to go... Chelsea 3. And Man United 4. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna okay. Come I love I think, it. Um, yeah. I think Conte is going to... I think he's going pull to pull out his wig when he starts to crumble in the second half of this. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Okay, um, so, um, and then, sorry, just keep prompting me with the questions. What's the next one? Uh, right? player, player of the year. Player of the year. That is a, that's a huge question right off the bat, you, eh? So, you said, you said uh, your champion is Liverpool. Are you
0: banking on Salah or um, do you think it's not going to be part of the champion team? Because that happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, what was it? Was it
0: Son
2: last year? Sala. Mosala,
0: Mo Salah. It was Mo Salah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he
1: didn't, he wasn't champion and he was the player of the year. Yeah, Mo Salah. Um, okay, yeah, I don't see a back-to-back happening there. So, um, I'm going to go with, I think I'll go with, um, let's go with Van Dyke. Ooh, all right,
0: right. I like it. I'm uh, actually going to go, you're going to, yes, you're going to love mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's the next question? Uh, disappointment, team, and individual. Okay, disappointment individual. So you said te- like team. You said Spurs
1: are not in the top four. Yeah, that will be my team. Um, okay. Yeah, they'll be the disappointment, Tottenham. Um, just because I think there's so much hype around Tottenham. Like I feel like almost people are speaking as if they're a lock for the top yeah. four. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I think that shows why people like are so down on United. But I think Ten Hag will figure it out. Um, get them at least in the Champions League. I don't know. I'm gonna go with Perisic okay i like manager. that one i like yeah. that one i think perisic um yeah I
0: think okay too much right there um and last and then, one is first manager to be sacked
1: first manager to be sacked i'm gonna go with ralph hassenhutl oh from southampton all right yeah i could i, mean, I could actually that's a safe bet i mean to get fired by Southampton's probably a safe
0: bet <laughs> At some point in his life, so we'll see how they do because he's he's had really good periods and very bad periods. Okay, to there go for with mine? I'm gonna go with mine. This is all hot takes here. You guys ready? Champion, Liverpool, Ooh. top four, Liverpool in this order, by the way. Liverpool, City, Arsenal, third, Chelsea, fourth. All right, I think uh, it's good. We're gonna battle it out with uh, United. I think Spurs are going to be my disappointment of the year as a team because of the sole reason that they're not going to make Champions League. But I think Kane is going to be the player of the year. I think he's going to have a great year individually. Not going to be enough to get them in the Champions League. Not make League. Champions League, unbelievable. Hey, he can score thirty goals. Maybe you don't know this. Kane's going to have a good season. I'm telling you, he's going to have a great season individually. I can see that happening. I just don't see Spurs. I think, I think they're not going to make Champions League. That's all. You know. Um, and the disappointment of the year individually i'm going to say is going to be um richardson like i said before first manager to be sacked and i think you guys both overlooked this one it's pretty obvious frank Lampert, with what that. you think first manager to be sacked yes weren't they
1: the kind of the like nah,
0: the a, a positive 100%. thing near the end of last year yeah, no, I mean, they, they were able to keep, like, they, they remained in the Premier League, but they weren't really that positive, you
1: know? Honestly, I think a he needs to fall, he needs to, I think Everton needs to fall on the second half of the table for him to get fired. Because what kind of yeah. expectations do they really have? I mean, I think they could be very well
0: going, you know, in the direction of being relegated. Um, but okay, guys, that's it. That is it. Thank you for joining me. We went a bit over, like we always do, because Gio won't shut up, but... We will <laughs> see you in the next one. <laughs> Premier League is starting, so by the weekend, we'll be able to talk a little bit about how Haaland underperformed again and uh, we'll have Oscar to try and defend them. Also,
2: before Scoring we go, two at least.
0: <laughs> we'll see. By the way, guys, since since you guys both like these guys, West Ham plays City, Skamaka against Haaland. We'll see who's who and what's what. This involved, is going to
1: He's hey, not going to Hey, Ricky... Ricky, you should have Come put in on, a question. Man. You should have put in a question there, like the surprise player of the year, like in oh. a good way. Skamaka babies, I think I he's could, getting. Over I could see it.
0: He's I getting over fifteen goals for sure. Just wait for Memphis Depay though. Anyways, all right, guys. <laughs> and by the way, everybody who's listening, um, thanks for doing so. We'll see you in the next one, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Backroom Footy and join right. our Premier League fantasy pool. <laughs> yes, join the league too. It's also on our Twitter. We'll see you in the next one, guys. Ciao.
2: Gracias.